Welcome to Upstream Downstream, a lively civil discussion devoted to the political, policy, and cultural topics that often divide us. Upstream Downstream is presented by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University in cooperation with WSHC-FM. Here's your host, David Welch. Welcome to Upstream Downstream. It's no secret that when it comes to African Americans' political party of choice, they choose to be Democrats in overwhelming numbers. In fact, most campaigns for offices ranging from the state legislature to Congress to the White House, it isn't a question of if the Democrat candidate will win the black vote, it's only a question of how large the margin will be. That's one reason today's guest on Upstream Downstream is so interesting and why we're calling this program Making History. Caleb Hanna is a Republican member of the West Virginia House of Delegates, representing District 44 in Nicholas and Webster County. He was elected to the office on November 6, 2018 at the age of 19 and re-elected in 2020 at the age of 21. Delegate Hanna, a junior at West Virginia State University, is the first African-American Republican elected to state office in West Virginia and, when elected, was the youngest black legislator in the entire nation. Delegate Hannah, welcome to Upstream Downstream. It's great to have you, especially as we celebrate Black History Month. Thanks, David. Good to be here, and I appreciate that warm introduction. Talk to us about what first got you interested in politics and government, Caleb, and, and how old were you when you first started following politics and issues? Yeah, so I never came from a political family, um, so politics wasn't really something my family was ever involved in. Uh, but I remember back in 2008 when I was in third grade, uh, I saw Barack Obama uh, running for president, this charismatic black man. Uh, and I kind of had this feeling, you know, if he can do it, I can do it type mentality. And uh, that's when I first got involved in politics. Uh, but my father, he was a coal miner here in West Virginia. And uh, he told me in 2010 uh, that the American dream was getting harder to find, uh, that opportunity was tougher to come by. And that simple idea by working hard and doing the right thing you can provide for your family uh, just really wasn't that simple anymore. And uh, my father was laid off from the mines in 2013. Uh, he's retired now, but he lost his job in 2013. And that's kind of when I realized, you know, that Obama's policies weren't really working for West Virginia. And uh, when I did a little bit more research to align myself politically. You decided to run for delegate against an incumbent while you were still in high school. What was that like? Uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, if you would have asked me back in uh, 2017 when we first, first pre-filed, if uh, we really thought we would win, uh, our answer would have been, uh, we're optimistic, but, you know, deep down, we were really just trying to uh, light a fire under the incumbent to work a little harder while he was in Charleston. Uh, but after the primary, uh, we came out with 73% of the vote, and uh, that's when we knew that if we worked really, really hard, uh, we'd have a real shot at winning the race. And uh, so that's what we did that whole summer. So it's a story of be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Yeah, but I've enjoyed every step of the way, so uh, so I've I've been blessed to be able to have this opportunity to lead. That's awesome, and your enthusiasm is contagious, by the way. So uh, it's, it's I, <laughs> I can I can feel that even though we're only by a telephone. During that first campaign, Caleb, your supporters 
received racist flyers from the Ku Klux Klan. That had to be very disturbing to you and your family. Can you tell us about that? Uh, it was. Um, it was actually the last two weeks leading up to the election. Um, you know, I knew that that was a risk, uh, that race issues were a risk when I first entered to, entered the race. And uh, I, I knocked probably uh, close to 2,000, 3,000 doors maybe. Um, during the campaign, and I knew that there might be encounters uh, during that time of, uh, of racist, racial tension. Uh, but to be honest with you, there really wasn't. Everybody was very receptive to my age and my race, and uh, they resonated. They wanted to hear more about my message than they, they, than they really cared about my appearance. Uh, but, yeah, those, those last two weeks is, is when those instances occurred. Um, but I was more concerned uh, for the safety of my supporters than I was really for myself. Uh, I had quite a few elderly people, you know, who received these flyers in their yard um, uh, reach out to me. And that's whenever uh, I decided I would contact the sheriff and uh, try to get somebody involved uh, more for their safety, actually. It should be noted that the county that you are from, uh, Nicholas County, is less than 1% black in population and 99% white. So it was not like you grew up in a black community. You had to, throughout your entire life, forge relationships uh, with people uh, that look different than you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing I joke about quite often is, you know, I, I won the minority vote in my district because uh, that was probably just me, to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people, when they hear about West Virginia, you know, they think uh, of Trump and uh, racist, you know, but uh, I, I find it to be further from the truth. You know, a lot of times we'll be on the House floor and Delegate Danielle Walker, she's another African-American uh, delegate from uh, Montegalia County. She'll stand up and, and speak on racial issues and how deprived and depressed we are in West Virginia as minorities, but I, that may be the case in Mon County, but I know down here uh, where I'm from, you know, I serve a more rural part of the state. Uh, everybody cannot be more welcoming, more friendly. Uh, West Virginia truly is an all-kinds welcome kind of state. How did it feel when you first found out that election night that you had been elected? Did you have a sense at that time that you were making history, or were you just thrilled to have won? I was really just thrilled to have won. You know, my district actually spreads over four different counties. Uh, it gets all of Webster County, uh, uh, a good majority of, well, a good portion of Nicholas and a little bit of Upton and Randolph. And uh, on election night, I was in Nicholas County, and that's my home county, uh, watching election results come in. And I had uh, Nicholas County results in, Upster County results in, and uh, Randolph County results in, and I had a leave of about 800 votes, uh, but Webster County was still out there, uh, so that's actually where my opponent was from, so we were a little worried waiting for Webster County to come in, but uh, we knew if we at least uh, had an 800-vote lead, we would come in on top, and uh, we actually ended up uh, doing even better, so it was an anxious night, but uh, we were just excited to, to be on top. You mentioned Donald Trump. Of course, Donald Trump in West Virginia is extremely popular. Have you aligned yourself with Donald Trump through these uh, two and a half years of being a politician? Um, I wouldn't say that I've aligned myself, but we definitely agreed on uh, a lot of issues. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've supported his stances on building the wall. 
Um, you know, I ran my campaign in 2018, and actually I ran my campaign this year on the slogan of God, guns, and babies. I believe that God should come first in every policy decision that we make. I believe that we should uh, support the Second Amendment, and I believe that we should be a voice for those who don't have a voice for themselves. So we stand for a lot of the same things. Um, and, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, uh, supported our president uh, throughout my term. You are young. You are African-American. You are politically conservative at a time when being either young or African-American likely means you are liberal, Democrat and progressive. What has influenced you to march to your own drummer? Well, you know, for decades, Democrats have have kind of told the black community that Republicans want to keep them down. Um, But I think that the evidence really just shows the opposite. Under Republican policies, black unemployment is down. Black graduation rates are up. Uh, the number of black students earning advanced degrees is up and black incomes up. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that overall our, our uh, community just thrives more under uh, conservative leadership. Do you think of yourself as a trailblazer, Caleb? Well, I don't know if I would consider myself a trailblazer, but I do often think back to, you know, I was inspired uh, by Barack Obama. Uh, you know, like I said, in 2008, and although we didn't align politically, he's what originally got me involved. Uh, so I do often think that I can hope that, that I hope I can give at least a, a little bit of encouragement to uh, some young people out there. To know, that way they know that, you know, you don't have to be old or, or, or a certain generation to be involved in politics. You can be involved and you can be involved now. You're listening to Upstream Downstream, sponsored by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University. We're speaking with Delegate Caleb Hanna, the youngest African-American to ever be elected to state office. I would say the youngest African-American Republican to ever be elected to state office. That would be a true statement. Is that correct, Caleb? Yes. um, Actually, there was an African-American gentleman from Wisconsin who was elected in 2018, too, and he was fairly young. Uh, but I am two months younger than he was. <laughs> there so you go. I, I do hold the, uh, the the record across the country for youngest African-American elected to the state office. My first awareness of you was the article in the New York Times shortly after you were elected. That's pretty big stuff to have an, a whole article written about you in the largest newspaper in the country. What were your feelings when they put that in there? Uh, definitely, yeah. They reached out to me and requested an interview, and I was I was a little shocked to to get a uh, a large paper like that to to really be interested in uh, my race and what I was doing. Um, but I, I was super excited, you know, to just spread the message to be able to make other people aware what great things are happening here in West Virginia. Uh, so I jumped on that opportunity right away. What do you think the Republican Party at both the state and the national levels need to do to begin attracting more young people and African-Americans to their side? Well, I think we just have to to better communicate our message. Uh, You know, faith, fiscal responsibility, and achievements aren't through hard work or values that are, are central to both the Republican Party and, uh, and, and young lifestyles and black lifestyles across the country. And once we're able to communicate that better, I think we'll draw a lot more support. Have you been invited into the national, to the Republican National Committee to advise them and to communicate with them on some of the observations or thoughts that you might have as both a younger politician and as an African-American? 
Um, not exactly. I've, uh, I've spoken to a, a few people at the RNC before. Um, you know, I've had uh, a couple phone conversations actually, uh, with, uh, with some of, uh, Trump's former cabinet. And, uh, I've, I've, I've spoken with, uh, the vice president a few times. Uh, but other than that, um, I, I haven't really given a lot of advice uh, at the national level now. What are your thoughts about the vice president? That's interesting to me. Well, uh, I, we should say, know, I think you mean now the former vice president. Yeah. Mike uh, Pence. I mean, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the uh, former vice president. You know, he stood out to me from the very beginning uh, when he said that he was a Christian, a conservative and a Republican in that. Order. And uh, that was something that really stood out to me and was uh, uh, inspirational, I thought. Although you are an assistant whip for the party, are there issues where you disagree with your party? Do you ever find yourself in a situation where, hey, I'm just not going down that road. I'm going to oppose the, the, the thinking of uh, my delegation. Yeah, and I think uh, just about everybody has issues where they uh, you know, stray away from their party. Honestly, if you, if you stick with your party platform 100% of the time, uh, you know, you're probably not doing a real service to your constituents back home. Uh, there are certain issues. I mean, it's hard to, to name some right off the top of my head. Uh, but there's a lot of times that uh, we've uh, that, I, that I've strayed off from the party. I know actually I know you guys are up from the panhandle. Uh, John Doyle is one of your delegates. And uh, one thing that came through the uh, legislature in the past two years is uh, opportunity zones, which was meant to give. Uh, incentives to low-income areas for, to attract uh, businesses. And uh, me and John Doyle actually voted against that 98-2, uh, to two, and we were the two lone no vote. Uh, so there's all, there's all kinds of things, uh, you know, instances where you, you end up straying from the party. Yes, Delegate Doyle would be the delegate uh, of uh, where we are sitting right now in the studio on the Shepherd campus. He represents Shepherdstown in the legislature, and he's very proud of his university, I might add. I mean, he's a great guy. We don't agree on a lot of things politically, uh, but, uh, you know, I think it was a, a good instance there that we, we were the lone votes on that one issue. So, You also are the chair for the Select Committee on Minority Issues. What do you consider to be currently the biggest challenge faced by uh, African Americans in West Virginia? Well, I think our biggest challenge is just recruiting, uh, you know, not even African-Americans, but more people to come to the state. Uh, so I think, uh, like you said earlier, uh, the minority population within my district is very small, and I think we just need to, to try to find ways to be more inviting and bring, uh, bring more uh, minorities to the state and uh, bring more people to the state in general. Uh, so that, that, that's kind of my number one goal. I mean, I've been working a lot with Jill Upson and uh, the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs to. Uh, to figure out different ways that we can help minorities throughout the state and how we can uh, grow the population of West Virginia. One of the issues, if you will, that has gripped this nation for the better part of a year, and I'm not talking about the pandemic, I would be talking about the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and systemic racism in law enforcement. When you watch, and, and although West Virginia hasn't been tremendously affected by those issues, as you, as a black leader, 
or as a leader who is black, I should say, looks around the country, what are your thoughts about Black Lives Matter? And what do we need to know about uh, racism in law enforcement that perhaps we're not, we don't know yet? Yeah, good question. Um, so I- I'm not going to deny at all that racism is out there within law enforcement. It exists. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, it's not a problem that's, that's huge here in West Virginia. It's something that I think uh, that uh, many minorities here are kind of sheltered from because I have uh, the utmost respect and uh, for all our law enforcement in West Virginia. As for the Black Lives Matter movement in general, I don't support the Black Lives Matter movement, um, mainly because, uh, you know, for those that think it's a grassroots organization, it's not. It's it's owned by corporations, and uh, their mission isn't isn't as well intended as we may think. Uh, you know, and they look at at police in general as being the enemy uh, when it's really just a select few uh, that have that have come out against us. Um, but we need to find ways, you know. I think America in general has a polarization problem, which is is partly reinforced by the 24-hour cable news cycle, you know, and vicious behavior on social media. And society tells us we have to take either a left or right view approach on everything. And if you even attempt to find middle ground or reach out to hear an alternate opinion, you kind of bear the wrath of a cancel culture and keyboard warriors. And that's often what you see with Black Lives Move, uh, Black Lives Matter. Is, uh, is a cancel culture type mentality. Let me stay on this for a moment. There would be, I don't have to tell you this, um, a lot of black people would listen to that answer and they would uh, not think kindly of you for adopting a position like that because I think in part they would expect you as an African-American and an elected official to really be on their side on this on this issue, because I don't think I need to tell you either. There are many people who just think Republicans are evil and, uh, yeah. and, 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 and that's just, that's the starting point. So how do you come back in and, and keeping it civil? How do you come back and engage a, in a conversation when there's so much emotion like that attached to it? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we have to balance there that my answer was directed towards black lives matter and not the black community. I, I, I definitely support the black community 100%. But, you know, we have to get back to the America that honors free speech and individual perspective. And, you know, and recognizes that, that each person has a unique set of opinions informed by their own unique life experience. And my experiences here in West Virginia are far different uh, from, from what others have experienced throughout the country. Uh, so, like I said, I know racism exists and it's out there. It's something that I don't experience every day in West Virginia, uh, but uh, uh, I, I would I would definitely be involved uh, to, to help combat that in any way I could. We here at uh, Shepherd University are very proud of our Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications. These days, politics often is not civil, and we here long for a time for that to um, not be the case anymore. Talk to me about civility in politics as you are in civility, as you've experienced and the importance that you place upon that. Yeah, uh, I think we all need to do better at responding with empathy uh, to voices we disagree with. 
Because, you know, even though we may have an opposite opinion, we can't simply exclude, ignore, or cancel someone because they're looking at the world from a different view than others. You know, we're one nation under God, uh, but unity doesn't have to mean uniformity. Our strength is in our diversity. And, you know, I'm going to share my perspective, but it doesn't mean I think you're evil if you see it a different way. Uh, until we get back to understanding this, we'll never move this country forward to the way it should. Uh, so, so, so civility is, is extremely important, in my opinion. You know, you mentioned earlier that in 2008, when you were a child, you looked at this uh, guy running for president who became president, and you were excited because there was someone who looked like you. To what extent do you see yourself as a role model for other little boys and girls who are African-American and the example that you want to set? You know, honestly, I'm not sure uh, how many people out there that I, I've said it, uh, that I've, I've encouraged, uh, but I, I've tried to set the best example I can. Uh, I actually helped co-found a group last year. It's called Run Gen Z. You can check it out at RunGenZ.com. Um, but what it is is we're a group of uh, Gen, Generation Z legislators from across the country, and our goal is to encourage Generation Z to rise up and run for office, uh, not wait to get involved with politics now. And uh, we've we've promote we've uh, recruited you know uh, hundreds of candidates from across 35 different states across the country. Uh, so we're trying to get people involved. Uh, I'm trying to to put a legacy out there and and uh, make a difference and make a change. So what is your message to your fellow Z Gen Americans? Well, you know, that, that everything that, that, that happens in politics affects them in some way and that, uh, that we need to not wait but, but get involved. You know, I speak at a lot of high schools, um, and I know I was in my di- – it was actually in my district. Uh, I went and spoke to uh, a high school about being uh, registered to vote, and uh, one girl asked me why I was important, and I said, uh, you know, what's one thing in the world you care about? about and she said she cared about her cat and i said well did you know in the state of west virginia that we have a dog tax but we don't have a cat tax because dogs are considered property in the state of west virginia but cats are not so everything that you think there is everything that you care about is affected by politics whether it be the air you breathe or the food you eat there's a rule or regulation in it in some way and you need to be involved to help change and promote those things you wouldn't mind if I don't go home and tell my cat that she's not taxed, will you? <laughs> but I know I think that's I think using that kind of example, Caleb, actually makes sense because you're right about politics and government affecting all of our lives, probably too much. Uh, but we we see an exodus from politics. I see it uh, working with college students. Sometimes it's really difficult to get college age students, such as yourself to focus on politics or to think that it matters. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's why we look at, at Congress today and uh, the age, the, the, the median age of, uh, of Congress today. And I think that's a real problem. You know, we've seen real trailblazers stand up like uh, Madison Cawthorn, who was just elected this cycle at the age of uh, 25. 
And uh, people are, and even AOC, you know, I don't agree with her, uh, but I admire her for, for stepping up and running at a young age. Uh, but we've got to get more people involved. You know, you use a great example with AOC because you don't have to agree with her politics or even Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, who ran for president. These are people on the Democratic side that are creating, I think, some real excitement. And I wonder who's creating that kind of youthful excitement on your side. Anybody come to mind? Yeah, like I, like I just said, you know, Madison Cawthorn is kind of a role model of mine. Uh, you know, he was just elected this time around. I actually got to spend some time with him last month uh, down in Florida. And uh, he's just an overall great, great guy. He has some great vision. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing great things in Washington. Uh, so he'll have my full support, and I think he's a good person for our generation and a generation of conservatives to look up to. Wow. Is he, is he uh, in the process of organizing a national campaign? Uh, I have, I'm not sure what his next steps are, uh, but, you know, like I said, he's a, he's a U.S. rep right now uh, from North Carolina. He, he represents North Carolina's 11th congressional district. And uh, he actually spoke at the RNC this year as well. So uh, he's a great guy. But like I said, he's 25 years old. And uh, he's the youngest uh, congressman, uh, I believe, to be elected. Uh, so he's a big inspiration to me. And I think he's a big inspiration to a lot of other people. Well, you know, he has to wait 10 years before he's old enough to run for president or vice president. So you'll probably have to find someone in between uh, him getting a little older and the and the next campaign. So. Uh, but, yeah, but but I but you you do see an opportunity for younger people, whether they be black or white or or, or of any origin, to uh, to uh, be taking a shot at national uh, office on the Republican side. Definitely, uh, you know, I I'm not a fan of uh, career politicians. I have no aspirations to be a career politician, uh, but I believe that you should either move up or move out. Uh, so, so some of those people, I think, should definitely move up and, and fill those roles. And if you're not involved, get involved. That way you can start moving up. We uh, are near the end of our time uh, for Upstream Downstream today. Uh, Delegate Hannah, do you have any parting shots for us before we let you go? Um, you know, not really. Just, uh, you know, being conservative, I doesn't think, prevents me from uh, being an effective voice for uh, minority needs. You know, we live in a country where uh, free speech is essential, and I believe it's time that we look at each other as equal human beings, and that and that goes well beyond skin color. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Republican, Democrat, we're all West Virginians, we're all Americans, and we need to be in this together. Delegate Caleb Hanna, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, David. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today, and as always, our producer, Sarah Burke, and our associate producer and editor, Bianca Eisen. On behalf of WSHCFM and the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University, I'm David Welch. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Upstream Downstream, presented by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University. To learn more about the Stubblefield Institute or to become a friend of the Institute, please go online to stubblefieldinstitute.org.